On this episode of the Building the Future podcast, I have the opportunity to sit down face-to-face with my good friend, Rick Brandon from Building Gurus. We're both attending the NLA Expo North, so we took a chance to step aside to record this show. Now, we talk a lot about the struggles this industry is having with recruiting and retaining good employees. Furthermore, we talk about some of the things that are going to be affecting this industry in the coming years that are going to make those problems even greater. And most importantly, Rick breaks down some simple steps and strategies to get ahead of these problems so that hopefully organizations in our industry can do better to recruit and retain some of the top-level employees. Now, as I said before, we're at the Expo North. So we just pulled up a table at a bar. So I want to warn you, there is a little bit of background noise and some people walking around. But don't let that distract you, because there's a lot of great information in this episode. Furthermore, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be giving away a copy of Rick's book, Higher Power. So stay tuned to find out how you can register to win that. Because together, we are building the future. Okay. It's a pancake breakfast shot. (laughs) Half ounce Irish whiskey. Half ounce butterscotch schnapps and a crispy strip of bacon. I was going to ask you, it had like bacon vodka or something. Yeah. It's like it's almost got to have bacon in it. And then there's an orange juice shooter. Oh, God, it's terrible though. All right. Mm. Man, silent I am. Yeah. We are live too, by the way. Oh, all right. Excellent. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So, cheers. First cheers. off. Yeah, there we go. This is the, uh, the first face-to-face introduction. Uh, he forgot yeah. to drink after we cheersed. That was really? like bad oh, luck. Come on. Right. We'll Bradley will snap her fingers. <laughs> That's right. I'll send that to him. Cheers. cheers. There we go. Now, is that when a shot? Is that just a shot you're supposed I to Yeah, I think that is just a shot. But I thought, well, now he's not only is he going to yeah. like actually drink, he's going to add a little <laughs> pizzazz to it. <laughs> so we're cheersing. We're actually here. We are in person. Yay. At the <laughs> NLA... North Expo. I think it's Expo North, but... Isn't that not what I said? Nope. You <laughs> said North Expo. <laughs> Who's counting? Green Cheers. jacket, gold jacket. <laughs> so our cocktails are live this time. That's right. It's very exciting. And I'm here with Rick Brandon again from Building Gurus. And Rick was one of the presenters this morning. Indeed I was. And did a phenomenal job, if I may say so myself. I pay him to say that thing. Nice yeah. things. <laughs> She's buying the drinks. That's right, exactly. It's the best way to get compliments. <laughs> so, you know, I thought one of the greatest things you said today, which really resonates with a lot of things that you and I align on very closely, is, you know, where industry's going, what's coming in our industry personnel-wise in the next 10 years. Yeah. And you, you titled it perfectly, The Great Retirement. Yep. We thought the great resignation was bad. It is nothing compared to the great retirement. So let's talk about that. Let's, yeah. let's unpack that a little bit. So, What's our industry facing? Yeah, so across the workforce nationwide, 
25% of the workforce is 20 uh, or is a baby boomer, which the youngest baby boomer is now 58 years old. And so we are 25% of our workforce is within seven years of retirement. And the reality is, is that you might think they're going to work till they're 67, 69, 65, but life starts to happen. Suddenly grandkids move five states away. Suddenly their arthritis kicks in and they want to be somewhere warmer. There's a lot of reasons where suddenly I have enough money because life is more important than work at this point. And so with that, we have to be eyes wide open and prepared. And most people experienced it during COVID where they thought they had three, five, seven years with somebody and they got less than 30 day notice because they're just like, it's too much pain in the neck to go to work. So the great retirement is probably the biggest stressor. And I believe that the LDM industry specifically is higher than 25%. So if you were to look at your workforce and say, hey, who is 58 and older? I would guess for most of them, it's a minimum of 25%, which means one out of four. Yeah, and that's scary when you think about it from a business mm -hmm. aspect. You think that 25% of your workforce, and the other thing too, many of those are your tenured yes. employees, yeah. the ones that have the experience, that have been there and understand your business. And that kind of information, you know, you, you don't learn it no. in a day. You don't learn it in a month. You don't even learn it in a year. Right. And to think that 25% of the knowledge base of your organization is going to be clocking out yeah. for the final time soon. It's, I mean, I, as I said in my presentation today, it's like, you've been kicking the can down the road a long time. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's important. It's just not urgent. Like, well, knock, knock. Urgency is out the door because right now <laughs> we can't keep kicking it down the road. You have people where they've been in that job for decades. They know everything. They can run the business in their sleep practically and they're leaving. And so one of the things I want to touch on on this, because it's a thing that people are very timid about and it's just such a limiting belief is like your people have been with you a long time. They're invested in the company. They want it to succeed. They want it to thrive even when they're gone. So many owners and managers are very nervous to be like, so what are your retirement plans? Like they don't want to ask. And it's like, hey, here's the deal. Like I know that you don't want to put the company in a tough position. I know that you don't want your customers to suffer. So let's make a plan because we know it's going to be a minimum of six months for us to train somebody for them to not, for just not to be a screaming disaster when you leave. And I think what happens is a lot of owners and managers discount how important it is to your employees that the company continues to thrive and their customers don't have a big drop in service. And so that's something where I just would like to change the narrative that owners and managers have because they're like scared to ask and like the employee's not gonna bring it up. And employees have a fear of like, oh, you're gonna let me go. But if you're like, hey, we'll, we'll keep you as long as we can. But also at the end of the day, we wanna give you that chance to work towards retirement. So that's, that's a big part. I need people to be a little bit more brave and have those conversations with the understanding that it's for the betterment of the business. And when we actually have direct conversations, things go way better versus like, I don't want to ask and they don't want to tell. So you know what? Nobody knows anything. We're just operating on best guesses. So, so how does the employer go about that? What's the uh, best practice to having yeah. that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, best practice is really to have a one-on-one -on -one sit down. I often say like, you know, have a closed door conversation. And just say, hey, here's the deal. Like, you know, I know that you're not going to work forever. You know you're not working forever. What I don't know and what I want to plan for is, like, how long I can count on you to be here. And then I need to be able to make a plan. Because I don't want your customers to suffer if they're in any sort of sales function. And also, like, the business, we can't replace you in two weeks. Like, you're such a critical part of this business that we need to have a plan. And one, you flatter them. I mean, that's the reality. Is like, you're telling truth. You're also flattering. I'm like, you're very important. Like we can't, we can't replace you in two weeks. Like that isn't going to happen. And I want to get that knowledge you have 
so they can hit and run. One thing that I really wish more companies would consider is people want to retire. They don't necessarily want to like completely stop working. Some do. So you have opportunities with some people where you're like, hey, we're going to bring in somebody for six months or a year, depending on the scope of the role, to be trained under you. But we'd like to keep you on as a trainer or a consultant, like a coach for them for another year. And that is a great way to ease people into transition and into retirement because they're not they're not sure what they're going to do with their life, but they still feel very important. They feel in touch with it. And it's an easier way to kind of facilitate that trans transition. Um, so I think those are things I just want people to think about. It doesn't need to be like, you're done on July 1st, right? But what it also can't be is, I'm going to retire next year. Oh, no, now I'm going to retire in another year and another year. So by you having that conversation and kind of getting it locked down, you start hiring people, then they realize, oh, I do have to retire. Like, you know, it's like they're going to start, it's going to help change their behavior to recognize like, wait, this is my end point. I can have some consulting. I can do some other stuff. But it makes it easier because we all know that there's people who like, maybe would never retire because it's their whole life. And unfortunately, the reality is that at certain points, there's a diminishment in value, right? It's like, you know, they, whether or not they mean it or not, they're a little bit more checked out. There's different things. So we want to just make sure we're having that honest conversation because there's nothing wrong with making a business plan. Like, that's just smart business. Now, don't be asking people when they're going to retire and then firing them. That's illegal and wrong. Like, don't do that. You know, there's age discrimination, but there is nothing wrong with having conversations that help you look at the continuity of the business. And I love that when you're talking about working with them to come up with that plan for their mm -hmm. exit. And, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's their immediate exit. You know, this is my last day or maybe, mm -hmm. no, this is the day that I go to part time. Yes. And I start from there and I do that for six months and then I cut it back more because that sounds like a win win both for the employer. Plus, also, you know your employee. I mean, you know, that's got to be, as, as you talk about those guys yeah. that have that longevity there, and it's going to be hard for them mm -hmm. to walk away. But if they yes. can stage away from it, yeah. step away a little bit at a time, I can see how that's, you know, great for both parties and all included. Yeah. So I have a client and they have a, a guy who's been at the company north of 50 years and it is his identity. I mean, his dad worked there. He works there. He's been, he, he and his dad have been there longer than the current day owners. And like, and he, so I said to him, like, okay, we got to make a plan because you're, you know, you're not, you're past retirement age, right? And I'm like, what are you going to do when you retire? And he's like, I have no idea. And I said, okay, so that's the first part. We got to be thinking about like, what are you going to fill your time with? And he's like, yeah, that's why I'd like to have more flexibility so I could explore what I'm going to do. And so it was like, nobody had ever been that direct with him. And he was very happy to answer and say like, you know what? Hey, if I don't work on Fridays and I can go, I can try these hobbies. And I think that's the thing where, Owners and managers are so worried about the conversation like landing wrong. And it, it just doesn't most of the time because they're aware, they're adults. They're extremely adult, right? I mean, they're, they're ready to retire. They're not, they're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. So start having a conversation. And that is a really great thing because we want them to step away as the new person who's replacing them can start to step in and have a little more accountability and responsibility. But we're not throwing that new person to the wolves of like, they're never going to replace the person who's been there 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Like it's, we got to give them a bridge. And you know, the tricky part is, is that some of those people have been in those jobs for decades. Like they're not the best trainers. They're just not right. So you have to make sure that you're, you're positioning it in a way that you can get that know-how knowledge, which is the new politically correct term for tribal <laughs> knowledge, uh, know-how knowledge out of their heads and documented so people can do it. So I would just say that like, just, don't discount how much they care about your company continuing to succeed 
And for many of them, it's like they'll feel better about retiring if they feel like it's in good hands, right? And it's it, that's something that I just see over and over again. And one of the things I like to do with clients is succession planning is like, who do we have in house? Like, who can we develop? Who's already almost there? Like, what can we do with the people who've been with us loyal and proven it? What do we need to do to develop them to be able to step into that role? And that to me is about one of the coolest things ever because it's easy to overlook those loyal tenured employees because, well, they've always been in the yard or they've always been here. It's like, okay, they have the right attitude and aptitude. All we need to do is train and develop them and they could be so much more. That's a long answer. <laughs> hey, it's a very long answer. But you know what I mean? It's right on point. And, and you're talking about bringing those up from in and, you know, mm -hmm. backfilling those roles. And you can do it early on, especially mm -hmm. the sooner you know about that retirement. You know yep. their retirement plan, if you've got it staged out or if you've even just got a flat cutoff date, but mm -hmm. you know how to backfill. So let's shift gears a little bit and let's say, okay, you know, we're filling those retiree spots, but we don't have the bench yeah. to fill it with. Nobody has the bench in LDM. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say almost across the all workforce, but for sure, nobody is really killing it on the bench level. <laughs> Agreed. So now we've got to have the team together to provide that bench. You know, mm -hmm. we've got to start calling up the recruits. We've got to start bringing in the, uh, the, the, the C team. How do we go about that? You know, that's yeah. another big key, and you're phenomenal at that. And, you know, another point of topic today was those steps to take to really improve yep. your recruiting, and it also applies to retaining as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So different, what do you have for us there, Different sides of the same coin. Yeah, so recruiting and retention are different sides of the same coin. When you recruit well, you retain more. That's just flat out. If you're desperate and you hire, they leave. So. I always tell people like they are different sides of the same coin. So one of the things I talk a lot about is the three S cycle. And that is scarcity, which is the lack of qualified people. I mean, and that, that is the reality of almost everybody who's listening to this. They're like, if there was five great people to choose from, I would hire three of them. Maybe all five, right? That isn't what's happening. You're getting a bunch of like meh applicants and you're deciding like, I just need a body in the seat, right? So you're making these you know, you're settling, which is the second, right? So we've got scarcity and it leads to settling where we hire the best that applied and really would never use the word best to describe them in any other way. Just <laughs> happen to be the best of like not a great number of choices. And so unsurprisingly, when we settle for the best that applied, it leads to setbacks and setbacks look like underperforming hires, turnover. And basically we spend a lot of time, money and energy training them to have them wash out or barely perform. And this cycle just repeats itself. It's so exhausting and it is so common because people don't know how to get a different result. They just, they're doing the best they can. They're like, I'm throwing up my job description and this is all I got. And so they have this mistaken belief that like, that's who's out there. Like I posted the job and nobody applied. That's it. There's nobody good out there. And I laugh because I've been a recruiter and I joke, you know, finding the impossible is what I do on a Tuesday, right? Like that's like what you think is impossible is not impossible to me because I know a different way to come at it. I know a different way to look at it. And then I teach my clients it. So that's the part where I really, if I could like just shake people a little bit, I'm like, you don't know what you don't know. There's more things to do. Posting your job description is a rudimentary effort. You can try to sell it, which you, obviously I talked a lot about my presentation. Don't just tell, we got to sell. Um, and that's something that, you know, with that 3S cycle, if you can break scarcity, everything else goes away. Like this, it's broken at that point, but you know, there's different points in time, but if you can get enough good people to choose from, your likelihood of bad hires drops drastically. Agreed. So 
let's take each one of those, those three steps in the cycle, mm -hmm. and let's let's dive into each one. Okay. So we'll start at scarcity. All right. How do we overcome that? You know, yeah. that, like you said, you know, we've got to break that first. So how do we overcome that obstacle? The number one thing is for years and years and years at work to tell about your job opening. Just tell people. Like, that's it. Just tell them, here's what we've got. Here's what we're looking for. I mean, that's people posted job descriptions. They have rudimentary job posting, and they're just telling about the opportunity. And there was enough scarcity in jobs for the job seeker side that that worked. Like, that was all you had to do. And so that's what a lot of people who've been hiring for 20 years, for many years, that was enough. It worked, right? Well, now when we're seeing baby boomers retiring, we're seeing people going into the gig economy, we're seeing next generations wanting more from their employer, mm -hmm. it's not enough anymore. And so that is the fundamental like mindset shift you have to make is telling isn't enough. You need to sell. And at the end of the day, when you can sell your organization and you can sell your opportunity and help people see themselves succeeding with you, you win, right? Because I always want people to think about the fact like you're hiring a sales rep, right? So when they put in sales rep, Indeed or LinkedIn or whatever tool you're using, you're not the only sales rep job showing up. You might be one of hundreds. At a minimum, you're one of a dozen if you're in a small market. There's a lot of sales jobs out there. There's a lot of competition. And yep, they might have been in LBM or building products for a long time. That doesn't mean they can't just switch and go into copier sales or pharmaceutical sales. So we need to really be intentional about making sure we're engaging and exciting the people who read our job posting. And that's where we have to sell, not just tell. And that's one of the things that, I mean, literally I will talk about it till the day I die because it's so <laughs> transformational. And so few companies do it. So I say like, here's the deal, like spend two hours writing a job posting or a job ad as I call it, and you're gonna get very different results. You're gonna spend two hours, you're gonna groan and mutter about how annoying it is. And then you're gonna post it and you're gonna get more applicants than you would have with your normal job description. Like, that's just the reality of it. Now, at the end of the day, when we're posting, we're also posting and praying somebody good applies, right? So like at some point, especially if you're in a rural market, posting your job posting just may not be enough. And that's where we move into the second step where it's like, instead of settling, we have a choice in that moment in time of, should I settle for the best that applied or should I choose to strive and try to get more qualified candidates and take a few extra steps. So that's kind of the transition. But. And I love the idea of selling because when you think about it, you know, from a business standpoint, when you go to sell, when you go into your customer to sell, the first thing you're going to try to approach them with is, you know, what you have to offer, what your yes. organization has to offer that's different than everybody else, mm -hmm. why they should buy from you. Yep. <laughs> and so that concept of selling is the same when you're going to these candidates and saying, why you should work for me. The value add? What's the value add of working for you, right? It's exactly that. I mean, that's 100% true. It's like, just turn on that part of your brain and think about like, why would you want to work for me? And the best part is if you're the owner and the manager and you're like, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> one, you can change that if it's bad. Otherwise, ask somebody in marketing, ask somebody in sales. Like sometimes you can't see what's amazing about your company and you need some outside opinion. But at the end of the day, like if you're still like, hey, it's five days of PTO and you can use it after the first year, like you're out of date. Like that's just the reality, right? Like that isn't work anymore. Like we can't sell through kind of benefits like that, that just are, they don't work anymore. You know, people don't want that job. And if they take that job, they quit fast because they got a better one. So that's the part I'm like, yep, you might get somebody. Are you going to keep them? Highly questionable. <laughs> Okay, so we've got the first step out of the way. Now we come to the second phase, settling. Yeah. 
right. So how do we overcome this? Hopefully, hopefully we've done a better job of selling an organization. Yeah. Hopefully we've brought on better candidates. So Still, the reality is, though, on that, just to jump in here, you can do a great job selling it, but if all you're doing is posting and praying, you are... Posting and praying. I like that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's, what we, that's what we recruiters call it, right? Because that's the reality. Like, we don't have a lot of control over that. So, um, that posting and praying is really one of the things that is... It's what everybody does. It's, it is the current solution that every small business, every large business is using, right? Well, it's not that effective because about 20% of the workforce is actively looking at any time. Now, 40, 60% might be actively disengaged. That doesn't mean they're on job boards. It doesn't mean they're looking at it. It is really, truly about 20% that are on Indeed, ZipRecruiter, HireClick, um, you know, any of them, right? And so what we need to do is recognize, like, we're putting up a billboard and we're hoping to inspire and get them to take action. And the reality is that's not often enough. I mean, that just right now, we have 5 million more job openings than people available to work in them. Like, it's not enough to put up a billboard and hope it works out, right? I mean, most of you have not only a marketing team and advertising dollars, but you have a sales team because sometimes it's not enough. And that's where we get into the settling where we have to make a choice. Like, so we're looking at the quality of applicants we've got. You know, we spent a fair amount of money boosting it, posting it, getting it out there. Now we have to choose. Is this, am I going to settle? and make this choice because there's there's a consequence, right? Like there is two different ways to look at recruiting and hiring. The first one is attraction and that is basically marketing. And you know, I feel strongly about the fact that like recruiting was like misfiled in the org chart in the sky. <laughs> like we're under HR, but we belong under sales and marketing when we're done well. We just got misfiled, but it is what it is. And so with that, we really want to think about how are we gonna get out there? And so there's two ways that you can find candidates for your roles. And one is attraction, and that's what we talked about, job boards. That's almost everybody who's listening, that's what they're doing, is attraction. They're putting job postings out, they're posting on social media. Maybe they have a relationship with a school, whatever. You know, they have, they're asking for employee referrals or business referrals. That's it. So that's essentially marketing. Like, we're hoping to get the right message in front of the right people and get them to take action. Okay, the other part where I say recruiting, and again, this is the world according to Ricca, so not necessarily going to be on Wikipedia. It's a good world. Let's roll with it. I'm on my soapbox. Um, so recruiting is sales, and that's where we make an intentional effort. And this is really a better fit when we're looking at professional level roles where they have to have specific experience. And so with that, that's doing the research, that's looking on LinkedIn, who has the experience, looking on Indeed's resume database, who has it? Let's reach out to them to see if we can start a conversation. And I say conversation intentionally because when we're trying to reach out to people who aren't actively looking necessarily, it needs to be more of a conversation than an interview, right? You're trying to sell them into being interested. And so those are two really important distinctions in my world of attraction is we're putting it out like marketing and then recruiting is sales. And you don't necessarily need to do both for every job opening. And I like how you talk about, you know, that 40%. Obviously, that's the bulk. You said there's 20% actively looking. Yep. And 20% that just aren't going to move. Yep, they're so planted. So other 40% in the middle. That's where you're... you're it's actually you're, 60%. Did you say... That would make some sense. Yeah, that's right. I mean, numbers are tricky, yeah, right? 20, 20, yeah, it's like words. <laughs> it's like words top. and numbers are sometimes tricky. You're right. Numbers are often more tricky for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 60% in the middle there. Um, you know... That's such a, number one, it's a big group, obviously. It's a big group. And you have to think, too, that that 60% that they're already employed, 
they're not looking at leaving. And there's got to be reasons for that. Yeah. One of them has to be that they're obviously performing fairly well. Yeah. That 20% that's looking, there's a chance that some of that 20% has been let go yeah. because they weren't the top performers. So it makes sense to really say this is a good group to be going at. Yeah. So I like that idea. The recruiting, you know, let's really target the best of the best. Yeah. So that... That really resonates right there. Right. And it's like, they don't even have to be the best of the best. Like, that's great. And that's ideal. But the best of the best is expensive, right? And it's not within everybody's reach. What you need is somebody who has been there, done that, and can do it again for you. Right? And so that's where we're looking at skills and experience. Like, have they done this before? And it might not be, a, you know, sometimes you get lucky. I mean, I, I'm a recruiter. I've reached out, I mean, well over 100,000 messages to people who aren't looking for jobs, right? Sometimes you land it and they're irritated with their boss or they're sick of their commute or whatever it is. They're like, yeah, you know what? I'm open to a conversation. Lots of times they're like, hey, no, I'm happy. And I'm like, hey. And I will say every day, you can't recruit happy people. Like, you cannot. So for those of you who are worried about poaching from your neighbors, poaching from that, like, at the end of the day, all you're doing is showing them a path and they can choose to walk up it or not. That's, I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, I have talked to a ton of people and it's like, nope, not the right opportunity or I'm happy. Like, and you can't recruit happy people. Anyway, that's a sidebar I won't go too deep into. But you can um, always plant that seed though, because yeah. there may come a day that they're now not happy, you know, and maybe company policies have changed. Yeah. Or maybe something's different over here and all of a sudden now a it's not things. what it was. Right. And it's a new manager. I mean, the vast majority of people are spurred into action to make a change is that they don't like their manager or maybe the company was acquired. But it is also one of the big things that I think people don't appreciate who are, you know, owners or invested in the company. Like when people don't see any upward path, they start looking. If they're like, I'm at the glass ceiling, like the next person above me is the owner. So if you're the owner and if you're the leader, if you have those people, like you need to make sure if you want to keep them, like what is the path here? Because if they have 20 years of career runway ahead of them and they don't see that they're going to grow or evolve, they're going to be looking or at a minimum, they're going to be susceptible to a recruiter calling and saying like, Hey, I got an opportunity here. I think you might be interested. Right? So I encourage people to really be mindful of your hypo, which is your high potential employees and making sure you're having conversations with them. Like, Hey, how do you want to learn and grow? Cause they don't necessarily care about being promoted, but they want to evolve. Right? They're like, Oh, I think, you know, maybe they're like, I'm super into digital marketing and I think it could change the business. Right? So you as an owner or a manager are like, well, I need them in this job. But it's like, do you really? Because you can probably lose them anyway. So, like, what can you do to build a bridge or at least give them that aspect that they're lit up about to go? Because that's how you keep them. That's that's a deep conversation. But I think it's important because you don't want to lose great people simply because sure. they're competent, right? The curse of competence, right? It's like, oh, my God, just because I can do it doesn't mean I want to do it forever. <laughs> yeah. So that's the retention piece. Yeah. But we'll, we'll stay focused on the three S's here. Yes. So now we've made it to the final step. How do we overcome that? Yeah, so the final S is setbacks, and that is when we've settled. And, you know, to touch back on it, settling is choosing, like, I'm choosing to hire this, or I'm going to choose to try harder, and I'm going to try different things, and I'm going to work harder to get more qualified candidates to choose from. So I would encourage people, like, don't fool yourself. When you're settling for the best that applied, like, it is a choice. It is a choice to spend more time, energy, and money training that person to try to get them up to average than to spend the same time, energy, and money trying to get more people who are going to hit the ground running and be effective. Like, so you've made a choice and that is okay, but you can't always make the choice to settle and then be like, ah, man, nobody's worth it. You know, it's like, you can't bitch about your choice, right? Like you made a choice. You chose that you were going to spend more time, energy, and money to try to get them up to speed. 
So that is the settling, right? I say like at that point, like you got to choose, like try harder to get better qualified people or recognize I'm just going to spend more time, energy and money training them. So now when we get to setbacks, really the reality is you are spending that time, energy and money either way. And I always say this, you got to pick your picks, right? The reality is if you knew how to get a better result, you would get a better result because you would do those things. You're not an idiot, right? Like, I mean, I like to think most of my clients aren't stupid. They just literally don't know what to do. And that's why they look to me. And so with that, if you don't know what to do, you have three choices. One is to educate yourself, watch videos, read articles, listen to our podcast, right? Uh, and learn more about it so you can take action on it. And then the second thing is to empower. Now that's when you get a consultant in or an HR workforce consultant, somebody who can help you get it under your belt and do it better. And then the final fix is expertise. I always say this is when you have more money than time, right? Like, so you're gonna find an expert to either just do it for you or help you do it better. And so those are the choices where you have to figure out how to get a different result. And education is the cheapest and easiest. Empowerment is more for empowering yourself and your team. And then expertise is when it's like, I just literally have no time and I have more money and I just want somebody to do this for me, right? But it is, it's expensive. And I think that's one thing people are constantly surprised by how expensive it is to have somebody help you with hiring. Uh, me and I talk to companies all the time. They're like, oh, I need help. I'm like, do you have any idea what the ticket price is? And they're like, no. And then I tell them and they're like, oh my. And I'm like, yeah. So we could also talk about teaching you how to do it better. <laughs> so. so talking about that, let's take that to the next level. We've got our steps covered. Talking about the either consulting for the teaching side of it yeah. or just the recruiting side. That's where you come. Yeah. Absolutely. So for those that are interested in that and need yeah. that assistance or just need somebody to do it for them, mm -hmm. how do they go back contacting you? Well, you know what? If you Google Ricka Brandon and spell it right, then you're going to find a lot of things <laughs> I have to say. And then you can decide, like, I like this checker. I don't. Uh, but there's a couple of things. So I always say if it is under a $100,000 job, I would rather teach you to fish than give you a fish. Like that is something where we need to create recurring recruiting processes that are going to continuously deliver. So if you're looking at your yard, customer service, sales, you're hiring for that almost continuously. Like those are ones where it's better to get somebody to be a consultant and to advise you and help you really understand like how can we do this better because sure. we need to build that bench strength, right? Yeah. So it's You're going to be doing that throughout the years. I mean, that's not yeah. a once every few years. I mean, that's regularly, every year happening multiple times, hopefully. Yeah, and I say all the time, I'm like, you can hire me to help you build a plan for less than you can hire me for one search. I mean, for the most part, that's what it looks like. Um, and when it comes to recruiting, you know, I specifically only work on $100,000 plus roles because it's all about driving top line revenue growth or improving bottom line profitability. And again, if it's under that, chances are you're hiring for it repeatedly. Um, and so with that, I want to help you do it. And it could be like, you know, maybe I'm only hiring an accountant once, but it's like, let's build some practices so we have a strong recruiting funnel. Um, but with that, for when we look at um, search fees, like, so I'm an engaged recruiter, which most people who are specialized in building products are engaged. And so that means you pay a deposit up front to sort of claim your spot, right? Because we do a ton of research and a ton of outreach. And so that is typically right around 25% of the expected placement fee. The placement fee is 25% of the expected compensation. So on a $100,000 job, that's $25,000 for the placement fee and just under $4,000 for the engagement fee. And so that is where people are like, oh, whoa, that is not what I thought, right? And I think that's the part where um, at the end of the day, the reason recruiters charge that, get paid it repeatedly, 
It's because it's a 10x ROI almost every time. Because I always say this, you have to like them enough to hire them, knowing my fees attached, like mm -hmm. that's, it's a very different level of like what you'll take. Hey, they applied to Indeed. Correct. You know, I'm like, I, I always say like, good enough is not good enough when you're coming through me or anyone on my team. So yeah, that's really the kind of the two things where I think there is a disconnect about it. Um, now for some things like for temporary staffing or like, you know, light industrial, that kind of stuff, you know, a 50% markup is pretty common. Like in the heat of COVID, it was up to 100%. So that means if you're, somebody's going to get paid $15 an hour, you as a company, your bill rate is 30. Well, it, that's if it's 100%. It's 22.5 if it's a 50%, which is pretty common. And that can be a really great resource and solution for smaller businesses that just don't have the time or energy to do recruiting. You know, because they're covering all those recruiting ads. They already have access to a database of people. It can be a great choice. They just aren't going to be specialized in knowing the industry. So you've got options is what you're saying. you got options. you got a lot of options. Settling and, you know, complaining. you you got options. You can just do a little research and you can find different ways to get different results. Okay. So some of the research, we can search Rika Brandon and mm -hmm. we can find a lot. You've had a lot of articles in different publications. Right. You've been very involved, very active yeah. socially. Website. Yep. Buildinggurus.com. And then also we are launching Recruit Retain Rock. Uh, in the next couple of months here, which is really more on the training and consulting side of it, and building gurus will be more of the search side. So yeah, I'm excited, and I, I mean, I if you're looking for education, like I have a ton of videos, a ton of articles. I we're well into the hundreds between articles and videos uh, that will help you look at hiring differently and get some actionable advice. I mean, the number one thing I care about is like it doesn't have to be as hard as it feels, and I think that's like one of the things when I present, it's like you can do this. You just like, it got too big in your head. So here are some simple steps you can take and look at it differently and get a different result. So. There you have it. <laughs> if you need help recruiting, retaining, That's here right. you go. That's Happy to talk to you about it, right? And just, you can set up a discovery call and there's no fee, no obligation. And I'm happy to give you advice whether or not I'm the right fit to help you or not. So. Rika, as always, it's been a pleasure. That's right, cheers. We will, uh, we'll turn this off and we'll go back to enjoying our cocktails. Yeah, you better drink that after I gave you the business the first time, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, I better. Perfect.